everyone, it's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to talk about faith-filled praying. Do you know the difference between just saying a prayer and really praying with faith? I know for a lot of years, Eric and I both had these sort of wimpy prayers. We would pray in broad generalities. We didn't have a whole lot of faith accompanying our prayers. It was just sort of like, God, you know, if you feel like it, maybe you could do this. And God really challenged us with the biblical pattern for prayer and began to show us that prayer and faith go hand in hand. And we wrote a whole book about this called Wrestling Prayer, so I can't really go into the entire process and journey that God led us through, but I want to give you a few key principles principles if you feel like your prayer life could really use a boost of faith and uh, a boost of power. I want to give you a few biblical principles that really helped me go from that mediocre prayer life to a really thriving prayer life that was based in faith and not just hopeful, wishful thinking. When we were going through the process of our first adoption, our daughter Harper Grace is 11 now, but when we were walking through her adoption, God was challenging us not to just pray broad general prayers, but to really be specific with our praying. As we began to really pray according to the heart of God, we knew that it was his desire to rescue this little girl and to put the solitary in our family, and that was we were praying according to the will of God. And we began to pray that God would remove obstacles in getting her home, getting her into our family. We began to really stand on the principle of 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He was eager and waiting to show himself faithful on our behalf, and we just needed to give him the opportunity to do this. And so we began to put this principle to practice when it came to Harper's adoption. I remember one of the very first prayers that I prayed was for this specific government form that was supposed to take about 10 weeks to process. And I knew that that would really slow down our ability to bring our daughter home from Korea. And so we decided we were going to go to this government office and make an appeal that they would expedite our case. And even the agency told us, you know, they're not going to make an exception. They never really do that. And yet we just felt compelled. We're going to bathe this whole situation in prayer and we're going to go down and watch what God will do. And so we brought um, a letter of appeal and we went there in person. And I had kind of envisioned, you know, being able to go into an office and sit down across the desk with someone and really um, look them in the eye and show Harper's picture and really plead our case. And yet when we got there, it was totally different than what we were expecting. There was a huge line of people and you had to wait outside um, this building. And when you finally got to the front, you basically had to talk to someone through a glass partition with with this little tiny opening um, where you could barely see their face. And you had to like pick up a phone to talk to them through a glass partition. And I thought, you know, this is really not looking good. How am I possibly going to plead my case or make an appeal when you can't even really look the person in the eye? And of course, the person working behind the counter seemed very abrupt and very impatient and just wanting to get through this line. So my heart started to sink. And yet we continued to pray the whole time that we were in that line. And I began to remember, you know, this isn't about us having the perfect scenario and me being able to make this perfect appeal and get the perfect person to hear our appeal. It's about just letting God showcase himself strong on our behalf for the sake of this little girl. And so we just with prayerful hearts walked up to the the counter when it was our turn and I began to ask for them to expedite our paperwork. 
And the woman just was shaking her head saying, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. And right at that moment, another woman overheard the conversation, a woman who was also in that office. And she came up to the window and she happened to be about eight or nine months pregnant. So I think she was really, um, she had more of a soft heart towards uh, a child in need, I think maybe. And she heard our case and she said, let me make a phone call. And so she immediately made a phone call and came back a few minutes later and said, you'll have this paperwork back in a week. It was just amazing. We had just watched the power of God answer a specific prayer and do the impossible. Now, it seems like such a basic concept. And yet for us, even after all of those years of being Christians, we had never really um, given God that many opportunities to show himself faithful in, in specific ways. And we, we just thought it was safer and easier to um, pray general prayers and not really not really put our, our hope in any specific thing we were asking for, but just sort of say, God, just do what you want to do. We'll just kind of pray because it's our obligation to pray. And yet if you study the pattern of scripture, he asks us to pray boldly. He asks us to pray without ceasing. He asks us to pray without doubt. He asks us to pray with faith. And he asks us to be very specific in our praying and to ask and ask and ask until that that breakthrough comes. And it feels so foreign to us because that feels presumptuous. That feels like, well, aren't we just pushing our own agenda on God? But the reality is that if we're truly walking with God, if we've yielded our lives to him, if we want his glory more than we want our own agenda, he will put his burdens in our heart and we will be praying according to his heart and his will. And if we are bold enough to say, Lord, I'm going to pray in faith for these specific things, we will watch him show himself strong on our behalf. And I think a lot of Christians feel that this is one of the most difficult spiritual truths to apply. And one of the reasons is that doubt towards God has become very popular in the modern church. We're often taught that we should really accept doubt as a normal part of the Christian life and that it's unrealistic to expect big things from God. In a lot of churches, it's actually more acceptable to sing secular songs of defeat, sort of like I still haven't found what I'm looking for by you too. I've heard churches sing that song in their worship services, which is really sad because if people in church haven't found what they've what they're looking for, I don't know how anyone could ever find what they're looking for. Rather than looking at, you know, classic hymns of victory, like Victory in Jesus or Great is Thy Faithfulness, you don't really hear those songs so much anymore. And people who talk about God showing himself strong in their lives are often seen as rare exceptions. Or sometimes they're even mocked and made fun of because they're naive enough to believe that God is going to prove faithful in their lives. I've even heard of some churches hosting doubt nights, is what they call it, where people get together for the sole purpose of venting their doubts towards the Bible's promises and talking about their disillusionment with God. Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And that's a very poignant question in light of how doubt is celebrated in the modern church today. And I think because doubt is so widely accepted and even celebrated, we often feel like it's an uphill battle to trust God and stand boldly on his promises when it comes to our own daily needs. We don't often expect to see miracles. And many of us even feel unspiritual at the thought of praying boldly or specifically for needs in our life. But again, the Bible makes it clear that he longs for us to give him the opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf. 
And so in spite of all this doubt noise that swirls around us, we need to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to be among the few in this generation who will give him that opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf? If you have situations in your life, big or small, that are in need of God's miraculous touch, I want to share some key reminders. Like I said, these are some things that have been most helpful for me to exchange that mediocre approach to prayer for a faith-filled approach to prayer. The first one is to remember who God is. I always talk about Gladys Aylward as, as one of my greatest spiritual heroes. One of my very favorite stories from her life took place during her journey across the mountain ranges to lead over 100 children to safety during the war. And after weeks of starving, crossing treacherous mountain passes with small children on her back and trying to keep hidden from enemy gunfire, she was just exhausted and emotionally depleted, as I'm sure all of us would be. And when the group of children came to this swelling river and they had no way to cross it, she fell into complete despair. She was literally just at her wit's end. They couldn't go forward and they couldn't go back. Enemy gunfire was going to hit the area at any moment and they couldn't last very much longer without food. It really seemed like they were at the end of their rope. One of the little girls said, what about when God parted the Red Sea for Moses and the children of Israel? Can't God do the same for us? And she responded back, well, I'm not Moses. And then the little girl said, yes, but God, he is still God. And those words filled Gladys with the faith to ask for a miracle. She was finally able to take her eyes off her own weakness and the impossibility of her circumstances and remember who God was, the God of miracles, the God who parted the Red Sea and the God who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So they prayed together that God would part the waters and allow them to cross that river. And within a few minutes, a Chinese boat filled with friendly soldiers unexpectedly appeared and took them across. I just love that story because here she was totally overwhelmed by her circumstances. And it was those words of the little girl, God is still God. The same God of Moses is the God that we're praying to right now. That's what brought her up to faithful prayer once again. So when we face impossible obstacles in our lives, the key to seeing God's power is taking our eyes off our circumstances and our own weak faith in fixing our gaze squarely upon him, his unchanging power and might and faithfulness. The Bible makes it clear that we can pray boldly and expect to see God's faithfulness for every need that we have, just like our spiritual heroes did. And we talked about that a little bit in the last episode. I have found that one of the most effective ways to remember God's faithfulness in my life and to remember how big he really is, is to record all of the answers to prayer that I see in my daily life. I keep a journal and every time there's an answer to prayer, whether it's big or small, I write that down. And then whenever I'm really needing a boost of faith, I look back at those ways that he has shown himself faithful and powerful on my behalf. I've known others who have built a, a literal pile of stone to remember something that God did in their lives, just like God commanded the Israelites when they entered the promised land 
to build a pile of stones as a memorial of what God had done. So I've seen people do this where they write, um, they take you know a rock and they write on that rock the date of an answered prayer or the, the type of prayer that was answered. And they keep adding to that collection of stones and they go back and look it over. And I think that's such a great idea. Anything that you can do to remember God's faithfulness to you, because then when you're in a time of great need, you can look back and say, if he did all of this for me, he's not going to fail me now. Another key is to live with expectancy. Uh, Before Eric and I were married, I remember Eric needed money to buy an engagement ring, and he really believed that it was time to propose to me. But he was living on a missionary's budget. He didn't really have any spare cash for a ring. He barely had enough for groceries every week. And he began to pray daily that God would meet this need. And one morning he woke up with just an expectancy in his heart. He felt like God was about to show himself faithful. And he just became eager to see how the miracle would unfold. And later that morning, through an amazing series of events, he actually put his hand in his coat pocket and discovered a wad of money there with a note that said, he is Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide, along with a picture of a ring. Now, many of us are hesitant to live with that kind of expectancy towards God where we're eagerly watching and waiting for God to show himself faithful to answer our prayers. But that is the kind of childlike faith that God honors. It says in Psalm 62, 5, my soul waits silently for God alone for my expectation is from him. One of the best ways I've found to live with expectation towards God is to meditate on his promises every day. So get a list together of five or 10 key promises from scripture, memorize them and meditate on them regularly. I often will apply a specific promise to a specific need in my life. And then every time I pray for that need, I remember that promise and and remind myself that I am standing on something from God's word, not just something that's my own desire. And that's an incredible faith booster. And I also find that it constantly helps me live more in that state of joyful expectancy and watching and waiting to see how he will answer that prayer. Another key is to live in obedience. We can't really expect God to show himself mighty on our behalf when we're living in willful disobedience towards him. Amy Carmichael once wrote, a single sin that we do not intend to renounce is enough to render real prayer ineffective. And sometimes that's so true. The biggest hindrances to seeing God's power at work in our daily lives is just plain disobedience. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So if it seems like your prayers are just going no further than the ceiling, one thing that you may want to consider is letting God search your heart and reveal to you any areas of willful sin or disobedience that you are allowing into your life. Now, this doesn't mean like, you know, living in sinless perfection and never stumbling or, you know, if you have um, areas that God is refining in you that he's not going to answer your prayers. But I'm talking about uh, a stronghold of sin that you know is there and that you have no intention of getting rid of, that you're just allowing to remain in your life willfully. And so if prayer is being hindered in your life, there could be those willful patterns or habits or attitudes that you know are there, but you've just been very reluctant to get rid of. God wants you to confess and renounce them so that you can walk in unhindered intimacy with him. 
And the last practical I want to give you is to understand delayed answers to our prayers. God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. And it's easy to assume that delayed answers are God's way of showing that he's not interested or that he doesn't want to answer our prayer. Think about the Canaanite woman who cried out to God on behalf of her demon-possessed daughter. At first, Jesus walks along like he hasn't even heard her. And that's the point where most of us would stop praying and say, well, I guess he's not interested. He seems to be completely ignoring her, but she doesn't stop. She continues to bring her request before him. And then finally, the disciples ask him to send her away because she's causing a disruption by constantly yelling and crying out after Jesus. He listens to the woman's request, and then he finally replies, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not right for me to take the children's meat and cast them to the little dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but if I got that kind of answer from heaven, I would sort of think, well, God said no. He doesn't seem to want to meet this woman's need, but she continues to ask and says, Lord, even the little dogs take from the crumbs of the children's table. And instead of being angry or annoyed with her, Jesus praises her. He says, great is your faith, and he grants the desire of her heart. You can read about that in Matthew 15. God sometimes delays answering our prayers because he wants to test and grow our faith stronger. The problem is that we so often give up at the first sign of delay, assuming that we need to look somewhere else for help. But all throughout scripture, we see that God always shows himself strong towards those who continue to ask, seek, and knock with relentless passion and pursuit. So when you bring a request to God and you don't see immediate answers, don't just assume he's not interested or that he's not willing to be your very present help in time of need. Follow the example of that Canaanite woman who would not give up but continued to cry out after him. And even when he did not seem to respond, she continued to stand strong in the fact that he would be faithful. And soon you will hear him say to you, great is your faith. Also, be sure you are always praying with a surrendered heart. If God chooses to answer your prayer in a different way than what you expected or what you wanted, be willing for him to have his way because he will always give us the very best. If he doesn't answer in the exact way that we hoped or envisioned, he will answer in the way that is most right. And in the end, we will find that his ways truly are perfect, even if they don't make that much sense to us in the moment. That's in Psalm 1830. So take a close look at your life and you'll discover that God has been faithful to you. It's so easy to listen to the enemy's voice to say God's forgotten you. He's left, you know, he's left you out. He hasn't come through for you in these areas. But if you really let him show you all the ways that he's been faithful, you'll be amazed to see his hand all throughout your life, protecting you and providing for you far beyond all that you could have asked or hoped for. If there are areas of your life today that need a miracle, remember the God that you serve. His eyes are searching throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. Are you willing and ready to give him that opportunity? I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. For more about faithful praying, I encourage you to visit setapartgirl.com and consider becoming a subscriber to our Set Apart Girl magazine. This is a bi-monthly magazine that is full of rich spiritual truth that will point you closer to Jesus Christ with every page. There are also a lot of free articles and resources on that website that will really ground you in the word of God. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.